0: You're listening to the Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Our guest today is Mark Allen. Mark Allen is an author, publisher, and the CEO of New World Library has published many best-selling books, such as Creative Visualization by Shakti Gawain and The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Mark also appears in a documentary film called Enlightenment, which also features our very own Carlos Casados. Mark is also a musician, and we're going to get to hear some of his music today, which is really cool. Um, and just a wonderful, deep, warm, loving, amazing person. And this this conversation is deep and wonderful and you are in for a treat. So here we go.
1: So Mark Allen, I first met you on the documentary and I'm so glad that you are here with us today
2: on Authenticity Show. I'm so glad to be here too. I love that documentary. That's where I met you and uh, was very impressed with what you said. I loved what you said. I loved how you talked about rewriting your software, rewriting your story, and talking a bit about neuro-linguistic programming, about which I know almost nothing, but I see we've gotten to the same place from completely different paths and using completely different vocabularies, but we've had the same path in a way. That was really, really remarkable.
1: We were kind of saying the same essential stuff, I mean, yes, he said was so poetic though too and and I loved that I love uh I don't remember the name of that poem, but I've heard it over and over again, and I, it rings back in my memory as it's just a positive thing, you know, just wow.
2: did you write that poem? I wrote that poem, I remember it just spilled out, mm-hmm. I wrote it as fast as I could possibly write it uh in a bar, I was heading into a bar. And
3: these <laughs> words, started,
2: I was, when I was like a quarter block from the bar, these words started going through my head. And I ran into the bar and I grabbed a napkin and I started writing and I filled about 10 napkins.
1: Oh my goodness. And wow.
4: Just downloaded. Huh. The pre drink inspiration. Ah. Uh, Yeah, well, I think it's amazing that that happened on your way to the bar, not on your way out of the bar Out out of the bar, right, I know Yeah, wow There
2: was a bar right near my office, it was end of the day, I was strolling in there and suddenly We are the creation of the forces of life An eternal blend of ecstasy and strife Living as long as the universe stays, which is forever through the galaxy's nights and days From the big bang's beginning to the black hole's destruction is but a day in the life of our cosmic construction. We'll live forever with the stuff of stars, ever-changing, ever-growing, born into this life, born into that, changing this form for the one that comes next. An eternal part of an eternal creation, a quintessential piece of divine revelation. That's how it
4: ended. Wow. Wow, holy smokes. That's Gorgeous. Wow. You know, I always know I'm hearing something special when I get goosebumps. Oh. Yep. So there you go. That means wow. your brain
1: is very special.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So Mark, where, where does something like that come from? Is that something that, is that you? Is that something else? What
2: is that? It, you know where it comes from? In, in my early 20s, I did some Zen meditation, though I did not have the discipline to continue it. But I did i found that place where you turn off all thought and you just sit in silence and you become receptive. And that's Mm. where it comes from. It's the same thing Eckhart Tolle is talking about over and over in the power of now. It's just presence being in presence, Mm. being not active, receptive in a way being in your female side rather than your male side is Mm. one way you could say it. Mm. Being just open and receptive and quiet and that's where it all comes from all the best writing uh, that's definitely where all my music comes from any poetry that happens I just listen so it really doesn't feel like I've written it although you know my hand is sitting there my, my best song I dreamed I literally mm-hmm. before I went to bed I walked by my piano, and I thought, I've never done anything in F minor. And I sat down, and suddenly it played this song, just beginning to end in F minor. Oh, that's interesting. Then I went to sleep, and I heard a verse sung in my ear to that song in my dream. Hmm. And, And I woke up, and a voice said, write it down. And I said, I'll do it in the morning. And it said, no, you won't remember a thing in the morning. Write it down. So I got up and sleepily and sloppily wrote down the verse, went back to bed, Heard a second verse, got up, went back to sleep, a third verse was sung in my ear. Finally, there were eight verses in the song. Wow. wow. And it's called Sweet Surrender. And my favorite line in there is, blessed is our separateness, for we're divided for love's sake in order to be united again.
3: Blessed is our separateness,
2: I woke up in the morning then and vaguely remembered getting up and right. I wouldn't have remembered a
3: word—not
2: <laughs> a word. In the morning. But there it was, eight verses all scrawled out.
4: Wow! Wow! So, and you knew what key it was in. That helps. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had just written the music to it. That was so odd. I mean, that's that's pretty profound to have
1: uh, something seize you like that, and and. Need to get out need to get expressed. I think that's that's amazing
2: Yeah It is it is I'm in awe of it myself And uh, I think you know, everybody has the capability but it, it, It's true. The best stuff happens when we quit trying to do it mm-hmm. trying to make it happen we're trying to force any writing or anything and just really relax, let go, be quiet and receptive
4: and let it come. Mm. That's so true. You know, you, you were talking about some Zen meditation. And um, one of the most valuable things that I've gotten from studying the Zen approach is just how simple it is. And the idea like yeah. what you're describing right now is What is the purpose of sitting in meditation? The purpose of sitting in meditation is to sit in meditation. That's it. (laughs) Meditation is the point of meditation. It's like not to try to become enlightened, not to try to gain something, but just to sit and practice being, you know, it's like, that's that idea of just stop, be still, let go, uh, practice being, you know, every flower that I see outside my window right now is just practicing being a flower. The practice is the practice. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
2: I I did do about five and a half months of real formal Zen training in my early 20s. And then I left with the same feeling so many students of Zen have, saying, oh, I'm not disciplined enough. I'm not meditating enough to really get it. Because it's so disciplined. The Japanese said, I think Mm. the whole culture is so disciplined. And I'm not. And then, thank God, in 99, I discovered the power of now, and Eckhart Tolle, and he brings Zen to America and the world, the entire world, uh, without the meditation. Mm. And he, he was even asked about his meditation, uh, about meditation, and, and he said, "Well, don't let your meditation interfere with your meditation."
3: <laughs> mm. <laughs> Perfect. And
2: that's a, that was a Zen koan, and I thought, yes. and he really meant that. Don't let your formal meditation practice interfere with every moment of your life, because every moment is your meditation, and the more you're just in the more you're just being as he puts it the more Mm. you're just feeling your presence without a thought that's it you you finally become grounded in your presence and being he says become grounded in that space without a thought and that's exactly what zen is talking about with Mm. that word samadhi they're always teaching samadhi it just means sitting and then finally the masters are able to act and do and live in total samadhi Mm -hmm. without Mm -hmm. a thought
1: yeah i could hear his um that funny little
4: laugh that he does when he (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i I can picture those those little arms getting all animated and (laughs) doing something i love it (laughs) wow it's
2: so funny he he reminds me of the true zen master i met two in my early 20s i met suzuki roshi at the san francisco zen center Mm. and then this wonderful man i lived with for five and a half months named katsuki second he wrote a brilliant book two brilliant books later on zen but they all have the same quality as eckhart They, they they have this childlike just sort of joy in every moment every little thing you know eating a brownie we weren't supposed to eat between meals and we were (laughs) food. and along comes Mr. Second and other students said oh you know we're breaking the rules and I offered uh, Mr. Second would you like a brownie he said oh
4: sure (laughs) (laughs) breaking the rules too oh that's great (laughs) <laughs> That's great. You know, that reminds me of, Carlos and I share a wonderful friend, uh, our friend Greg Zimmerman, right, Carlos? Mm-hmm. Yep. And Greg tells me a a, a story that uh, just always kind of warms my heart. He was in Hawaii, and it was a really hot day, and he's standing out on the curb in front of a McDonald's, and this Buddhist monk walks by with his robes and everything, and he says the monk stops and he looks at McDonald's and he could, he could tell he was hesitating for a minute. Like, Should I? Shouldn't I? <laughs> and the monk just looks determined and he goes inside McDonald's and he comes out a few minutes later with a big giant Coke. Just,
3: <laughs>
4: ah, he was so happy and he just walked on his way, you know? It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think of that every time I, I hear the song, Carlos, uh, from the doors, you know, where the, the monk bought lunch. Yes, he bought a little, you know, <laughs> from <the> soft parade. <laughs> yeah. From soft parade. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I love it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Enlightened beings are people too. Right. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> Mark,
1: um, you mentioned being in this receptive mode and I just wanted to ask you about that because I think there are quite a lot of people who don't know how to tell the difference between when they're being receptive or not. They're just sort of going moment to moment. And um, how is it that you discovered
2: going into that space? I know the Zen meditation helped. Mm -hmm. So many people, their first experience with meditation, they realize, oh my God, my mind is just going, 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 going. A lot of people give up their thinking they'll never be able to change that, mm-hmm. but you can change that if you stay with it, maybe count breaths or something or stay with it. Uh, eventually you can, as especially like just as you exhale, you can let thought go for just a moment at first. You can let it go, let it go. I do remember I was writing music before, before I did the Zen, it really, I think, deepened and improved, definitely, my poetry and writing deepened and improved after Zen. I uh, I have one, I don't even know if I should tell that, I have one totally embarrassing story <laughs> about writing music before Zen. I, I write after, I dropped out of college because I got in this theater company where I wrote music and acted. And so it was my dream job. And I remember we were doing this anti-war play, A Man's a Man, Bertolt Brecht, and we adapted it to Vietnam. It was during oh, the Vietnam era. Bertolt Brecht? Yeah. yeah. It was, we took a Brecht play and adapted it to Vietnam. Uh, it was called A Man's a Man. It was uh, hilarious. We played it in parks. We played it in prisons. And it was about this Vietnamese guy who goes out to get a fish and he ends up being drafted. It was sort of comic and sort of sad and definitely this uh, powerful anti-war statement where he turns into a killing machine monster and all. And there was one scene set in a Vietnamese whorehouse Mm. and And I had to write a song for it. And I had the lyrics, In my pleasure palace, you can eat Eve's apple, get drunk on the God's wine, sleep in the bed of kings. Mm. Uh, Oh, it's just wonderful lyrics. Wow. Wow! And I was struggling with the song. I was there alone at the theater, struggling, struggling, struggling. I couldn't get the right song. I knew it had minor nights, if you know music. It had minor nights. I love minor nights. And I could not get the song, and I was pacing up and down, and then and this is where it gets totally embarrassing. <laughs> I've never told this story to anybody, but I had to go to the bathroom then. I, I, I suddenly had to have a like a major bowel movement. <laughs> I, I went and sat in the bathroom and just relaxed as you do. <laughs> and as I was just relaxing, all thought wet, and I just oh, this was a wonderful, healthy, great. Feeling, you know, feels really good. (laughs) Suddenly, in that, there was a moment of quiet, and the song was just there. All this, the music came. You needed to make chords, yeah. It all came. (laughs) In in that, and I real. Oh, that's what it took. It took stopping trying, just relaxing, letting go, go, Mm. being the moment. And then suddenly the whole song was there.
4: Oh, that so, is perfect. Great. Wow. That's awesome.
1: I have to admit, I've had some of my best thoughts on, on yeah. uh, in the toilet. Yeah. So. yeah,
2: We're, we're quiet. <laughs> that, that, it Set turned out to be an amazing <laughs> experience, that song. One of the lines was, oh, there's peace and quiet. Everything is made soft. All the colors of women ever seen in the world. And the women in the company sang it in negligee and we did it in prisons and they would wander down through the prisoners, all men sitting very close together in benches. And it was the most elect, not one man ever touched one of the women. They were just there in total silence and awe as the women brushed right by them singing all the colors of women ever seen in the world. Oh, it was an amazing um, bit of
4: thing. Wow. Yeah. You know, Mark, um, uh, because you have a, a history of performing, right? Um, I, I have only a minor history in performing. But uh, that, that stillness that we're talking about, where creativity comes from, I always found that to be with me every time I was performing. So in the middle of of action, there is this calm centeredness where I could feel just I'm not sure where it's coming from just the performance is coming from there all the time. So there's so much action and chaos and movement and um, I remember I, I did a, a comedy it was a British farce that was that was on stage and it was slamming doors and jumping over tables and misidentities and the, you know all the stuff happening it was chaos but there was always <laughs> this calm still pool inside of me You know, Mm. I've shared this with Carlos. I remember the the night of the first performance. I was off stage waiting to hear my cue to come on, and I remember Mm -hmm. thinking, "Why do I feel so calm? Aren't I supposed to feel
3: nervous?"
4: (laughs) And I didn't. I felt I felt calm, and I just brought that with me on stage, and it stayed. All eighteen performances, it stayed. Great. Thanks. Yeah. But but it was it was just something about that. I, I learned a lesson in that moment that there is a stillness even in that that intense chaos of judgment you know this audience is going to judge my performance <laughs> you know what I mean it's like and it's there there's a so. funny connection
1: between what you mentioned um Mark and what uh Satch mentioned earlier about uh, the soft parade and that mm. is um you know the, you know they talk about how many degrees of separation from anything right oh yeah um, Bertolt Brecht was um extremely important to Jim Morrison who was obviously the lead singer of the Doors who sang the song that you were bringing mm. up right before it yeah, super into Brecht.
3: Yeah. Ah. Uh-huh.
4: Yeah, cool, cool.
1: So, Mark, you, you've, you've had a, a strong um, performance-based background, uh, music, poetry, um, acting, or writing, things like that. Tell us more about you, because I'd love
2: to get to know you better.
0: <laughs>
2: I yeah, I was I was born with something unusual. I just knew that I needed to do what I loved to do and that I would do something extraordinary. That's all I knew. But I remember graduating from high school when some of my friends, uh, some of my best friends I remember like went to work for their dads and were, you know, got into Um, early marriages and, and jobs. And I remember thinking, in fact, I confronted one, one of my best friends. I remember at our graduation, I said, what are you going to do? And he said, Oh, I'll go work for my dad's furnace filter business. And I, if he would have said, I want to work for my dad's furnace filter business, that's so cool. You know, to be self-employed, then I would have said, great. But the way he said it, he did not have any passion for it at all. And I said to him, this is your life. Hmm. You do what you, what do you love? What do you, what do you want to do? Don't do what your dad wants you to do. You you can't find happiness and fulfillment that way. I didn't even, I didn't say all those words. I didn't have all those words at the time, but that's sure what I felt. And so after, after high school, I just, I became a theater major in college, much to my dad's chagrin. He (laughs) he he literally said, "You know, you only work for a corporation for forty hours. You still got another forty hours to be creative." He said, (laughs) "Brother, you know I'd gone into." And I remember thinking, "No, Dad, if I did a job I did not like for forty hours a week, I would need forty hours to recover." I just knew myself, (laughs) and. So I, I was a theater major, and then I got that job in a theater writing uh, music. I'd, I played in bands, too, in high school, and, and uh, through college I had bands. And so I, I knew it was important to do what I loved, and that's been something I just encourage people. Oh, do what you love, do what you love. What took me about 15 years from 20 to 35 was to figure out how to be successful doing what i loved yeah i had no idea through my 20s how to make any money doing what i loved because i had such horrible beliefs about money once i realized this in my early 30s i kept telling myself i'm a fool with money i don't understand it it's beyond me uh it's way too complicated and even dealing with my emotions i remember telling myself over and over oh it's so deep and complicated and hard it's so (laughs) hard to change i I think two of my favorite words i was telling myself programming myself yeah oh it's hard and it's complicated to make any change in life and like to make any money to start from nothing it's just too hard that's what i was telling myself so of course i was like a total poverty case uh-huh. All through my 20s and into my early 30s, when I finally realized the importance of what you're telling yourself, and I literally stopped saying it's hard and complicated, and I started telling myself, I am sensible and in control of my finances. I'm creating total financial success in an easy and relaxed manner, a healthy and positive way. Mm-hmm. And that became my experiment. Literally, the day I turned 30, I decided to look at my life as an experiment—a uh, phrase, uh, just a single word. I heard somebody described meeting Buckminster Fuller. I never met this guy, but but he told me Buckminster Fuller said, uh, when he was in his twenties, he came to a point where he was decided to either quit, uh, commit suicide, or look at his life as this unique experiment. And fortunately, he chose the experiment. No kidding. And he went around in his 20s speaking to colleges about his 50-year experiment. And I grabbed onto that word the day I turned 30. I said, I'm going to experiment from now on. My life is going to be an experiment. I'm going to see if affirmations really are powerful. I'm going to test the power of affirmations as part of my experiment. And part of it, and this really appealed to the lazy side of it, because I've been a musician and an actor. I love those hours. You never did a thing before one (laughs) of (laughs) morning. I love those hours. So you just sleep as late as you want. And so I said, okay, I want to create success. Here's my experiment. I'm going to program myself with affirmations. I'm going to see if affirmations, if the word is really as powerful as maybe it is, I'm going to start affirming I'm sensible and in control of my finances. I'm creating total financial success in an easy and relaxed manner, in a healthy and positive way, in its own perfect time for the highest good of all. That was my whole affirmation. I repeated several thousand times the, mm. my 30th
4: year. Mark, could you could you say that again? Yes. I'd just love to I, hear that again.
2: Yes. I, well, I realized when I was 30, what I was telling myself was, I'm a fool with money, I'm out of control. I was telling myself that, and that everything was so hard and complicated. And that's why I lived in a tiny slum apartment. I woke up, the day I turned 30, in a state of shock. I couldn't have a party. Somehow being in my 20s, I felt like a teenager. I'd had a rock band in my late 20s, had fallen apart. But I went for it, I had a band. We did amazing music, but made no money. Very little money. We were scrounging every month, a word we used all the time to come up with a rent in this slum apartment, funky part of Oakland, bars on the windows, not a nice place. You would not want to raise a kid in that neighborhood. Mm. And I I turned 30 in this little apartment and I started just pacing up and down. And that's the day that changed my life because I just started, I realized this voice said, You're 30. You're not, you're not a kid anymore. What are you going to do with your life? Well, that's a good question. What am I going to do? And I was pacing up and down. And then I did. I remembered a little game I played during a failed back to the land experiment. I also mm-hmm. tried in my early 20s. But the one thing I learned from there, we were sitting around a fire and this couple said, said let's play this game we play at church camp. Let's imagine five years have passed and everything has gone as well as you could possibly imagine. What would your life look like? Huh. We all went around the fire. Everybody said something. I was 22 at the time. I do not remember one word of what I said, (laughs) so it had no impact. But the day I turned 30, I thought, this is a good game to play. Only this time, I wrote it down. I took a sheet of paper. I put Ideal Scene at the top. I imagined being 35. Oh, my God, that's like (laughs) middle-aged. And what would my ideal look like? Much to my amazement, what spilled out is I have a publishing company. I'd never had – I'd sort of worked in a few companies. I knew some things about publishing from a Tibetan center and from another guru in Berkeley I was with. I have a publishing company that's totally successful and cruises along, and I write books, and I record my music, and I have a big white home on the hill in Marin County, California, one of the most beautiful places on earth. Oh, I love Marin. Where, oh, It's gorgeous. It's 75% wide open and will remain that way. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So I wrote my ideal scene. I finally i wrote a whole list of goals. And then, of course, I was totally overwhelmed with, Doubts and fears, as soon as I began, I nearly overwhelmed. And I kept saying, okay, this is my experiment to go for this. And I kept being inundated with doubts and fears, just almost overwhelmed, like way too much, Mark, way too much. Doubts and fears can be very realistic and rational. It said, you want to you wanna start a business and write books and do music and get into real estate way too much, Mark, just pick one thing and focus on that. And I knew whatever I picked, my doubts and fears would just shoot it down, you know? Yeah. So I, I said, no, this is, I'm going back to my ideal. This is my ideal. I want to do it all. Not only that, I want to do it in an easy and relaxed manner. I want to do it. Here's my experiment to continue to be lazy, continue my musicians' hours, sleep as late as I want every day. And my doubts and fears said impossible never been done. You must work 60 hours a week And I said, okay, here's my experiment. That's how I got around. I said, this is a good experiment It totally appealed to my lazy side complete mm-hmm. my lazy side said yeah, go for this experiment And I, I said to my dust and fears give me a year For this experiment a year, maybe two and so let me be lazy and but let me start this up and then the affirmation I came up with that you asked about at the beginning all mm-hmm. all this, mm-hmm. then as I realized I was saying, oh, I'm out of control, I, I'm an idiot with money, I don't understand it, that's why I'm a fool with money. I came up with and wrote down in big letters and carried around with me, I am sensible and in control of my finances. I am creating total financial success. In an easy and relaxed manner, a healthy and positive way, in its own perfect time for the highest good of all. Mm. Those are the words that worked for me. Gorgeous. Mm. I got the second half of that from a book by a Unity Church minister named Catherine Ponder that I'd read. Good she did name. a bunch of books. On yeah, those pair. yeah, Catherine Ponder. Great woman. <laughs> But that's where I got in an easy and relaxed manner, a healthy and positive way, in its own perfect time for the highest good of all. I kept saying that over and over. I said it thousands of times in my early 30s. And every time I did, I realized the power of words. You just keep saying easy, relaxed, healthy, positive. Your whole body responds. Mm-hmm. You're programming your body yeah. really to relax. And to take it easy—that's one of the best pieces of advice we ever give each other. Take it
4: easy. You know? Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Thanks for for resharing that. It was. It really <laughs> helped to hear your your background and and to get the piece that you had been using affirmations, but you were using the wrong ones. You had yes, to reprogram exactly. them. Yeah. You had but to rewrite I, your affirmations. Yes.
2: i I was powerful negative affirmations. Uh, To this day, you know, I keep saying to people, you know, your words are powerful. I have proven that in my life. We know it. Watch what you say. Even watch what you think. I hear people say the most God-awful, horrible things. If I know them, I'll step in and I'll say, cancel. Cancel. (laughs) <laughs> Quit saying it's kind of hard. You know, hard. Yeah, that I don't know where I got that. Yeah, cancel. 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 I,
4: mean, I love it.
2: I love yeah, it. Yeah, delete. Yeah, there you doctor. go. Quit saying it's hard to succeed. Hmm. It doesn't have to be hard to succeed. It can be very easy. You can succeed in an easy and relaxed manner if you keep saying that.
4: Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, I, I years ago uh, read a book by a woman named Florence Scovelshin. And there's just only one thing, only one thing I remember from the book. Her last name? Uh, uh, well, besides besides her name, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is um, She she does a lot of affirmations. And uh, she was working with somebody. She was teaching somebody uh, how to have more ease with their work. So they came up with this real simple little, little line that went, I do wonderful work in a wonderful way. I do wonderful oh. work in a wonderful way. But then they realized later on that, but they weren't, but, but the financial success wasn't there. So they had to alter it. I do wonderful work in a wonderful way. I give wonderful service for wonderful pay. Ooh,
3: that's <laughs> good. love
4: that. So I do wonderful that's, work in a wonderful way. I do. I give wonderful service for wonderful pay.
2: That's where that came from. That was a mystery to me. I, encountered an old friend just like five years ago that I knew 40 years ago. And I said, you know, uh, we, do, we We talked and uh, I said, so what have you been doing for the last 40 years? And she said, well, my life kind of paralleled yours. I, I wandered around in my 20s, not knowing what to do. And then in my, when I turned 30, I read Creative Visualization, which was the first big book I published. Wow. And. And she said, and I got this affirmation from that book. I do wonderful work in a wonderful way with wonderful people for wonderful pay. She said that, and I thought, wait, I edited that book. That's not in there. I'd never heard that before, huh. but she told me she got it from creative visualization,
4: oh. but
2: that's where she got it. And she said, she started when she was 30 saying that over and over and over oh. And that's exactly what happened. She ended oh. up in Seattle, ended up owning her own business. And she said for 30 years before, and she finally retired, I think. But she said, I did wonderful work in a wonderful way with wonderful people for wonderful pay.
4: Oh, lovely.
2: Very powerful.
3: Very yeah, powerful.
1: Yeah. That's great. You know, what's what strikes me as uh, especially beautiful and, and interesting at the moment, it, here we are in this <clears throat> point in the conversation and I'm thinking about Um, the name of our show Mm. is authenticity show Mm. And not only have we had um, really a a lot of really great sharing But i'm thinking about the other definition of of authentic which is to be self-authoring And what you're talking about is being Mm self-authoring You you did it your way in a way that felt really true for you and you didn't take no for an answer You you made whatever adjustments were necessary so that you could change the narration change the story change the script, and of course, mm. your results.
2: Yes. Oh, I like that. I've never heard that. Self-authoring. You're right. That's a great way to look at it, right? Yeah. We all, we're all writing our life story, so the we might as well make it as expansive as possible and as fulfilling as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I can relate to, to what you were saying about um, feeling a bit like, what am I going to do? You know, just early part of my life was, was focused on, um, you know, just getting by and I had a lot of bad money ideas in my head too. A lot. <laughs> of them. And it took me some reflection and uh, some practice to get that dialogue to change in my head. And, and also to, to believe that, um, the desire that I was feeling inside to, to, to do what I do now currently, um, Mm. was something that, that deserved a place in my life, a big place in my life deserved to be fed, deserved to have the freedom to come out and that I Mm. didn't need to check for how I'm supposed to feel on the inside by checking on the outside with what other people agree with.
3: Ah, Oh, Yes.
1: So I have lots and lots of people telling me, you'll never make it doing that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Making money is hard. There's a lot of competition out there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing is, people didn't believe in me. Well, there were some, but I got a lot Mm -hmm. of negative belief that I took in. And that's when we sort for our internal feelings by what we see on the outside with other people, that's not a good combination for most stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have Mm -hmm. to to do what you really feel. And and go with yes. it. And when I finally did that, um, it was a huge difference. And then the people who did believe in me, uh, I felt I felt like especially loved by them. And I and I also felt vindicated for having the desire and the passion to do what I do now. And 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 now I feel like there there isn't going to be anything to stop me. I mean, I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm here to do something that's important for me and for the world. And I love it. It's it's coming from my heart. And, and it, it is hard work, but it's, I don't look at it as hard work. I look at it as kind of hard play. Like it's, it's fun mm. efforts that I make and um, we get trained to think, oh, you can't fail. And of course you can. Failure can make you stronger. Failure can teach you lessons. You can even reframe that failure as feedback, or you can reframe it as, as a research. You know, you got your lab coat on, right? Like, like buckmeister Fuller. Mm -hmm. right my lab coat on you're just doing research you know you failed it but no i didn't i was just doing research
2: (laughs) (laughs) yes that's it that's it it's just the cost of your education every successful person i know has had failures and in fact we love love to sit around you know at night with a glass of wine or something and tell stories of our failures because they're very Mm -hmm. funny yeah What to ask successful people, okay? What failures have you had? What you know, what's your story? What's the stupidest thing you did? That you know, what's the most disastrous thing you did? How did you blow the most money or whatever? It's it's very entertaining, but yeah, it's all our fear of failure. Once we can overcome that fear of failure, do not fear failure, it is just a stepping stone. It's, I mean, it's been. Put in so many different words by so many different people, but you gotta find a way to deal with fears. I just uh, had a session with his Scott Stabil, a new author of ours that did a book called Big Love. And he said he looks at fear now. He looks at fear like a little obnoxious four or five-year-old brother that's (laughs) always pulling with his pant leg. You know, he's not (laughs) smart at all. And he'll say, Don't do that, don't do that. And he said, "Okay, kid. I mean, sometimes you're right when you tell me not to run out into a crowded freeway. That's good. I'm. Thank you for that. (laughs) But when you tell me not to write a book, forget it, kid. You know you. That's how he deals with fear. I thought that was a. Somehow we've all got to deal with fear, especially fear of failure. And once we can do that, then we're bound to succeed in some brilliant, extraordinary way." Yeah, it's inevitable.
1: You well can, said. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, it, it's great to to have your example uh, as another example in the world of 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 someone who who you know decided to be authentic and and you're you've made it. You know, you've you've arrived at a place that uh, that feels good to you, where you can support yourself in a in a positive way, and there's a sense of flow in what it is you do to create it. It's not a big, huge struggle. It's not, you know, a battle against something. You're actually building and moving towards something, and and I think that's great. So many people don't have enough examples to point to, so they they mm-hmm. they don't challenge their present um, paradigm because they just don't have enough people who are authentically sharing how they got where they where they've gotten.
2: Right, right. I sure had very few role models when I started out. Uh, I didn't know of anybody that had success with ease. Mm -hmm. I couldn't think of anybody. Uh, But that became my experiment. I said, I'm going to try it. My doubts and fears, most of my thoughts initially said it would not work. won't work. Mm -hmm. My dad was right. You have to work 60 hours a week to start up a company. On my 30th birthday, I talked to him. I said, Dad, I'm going to start a business. (laughs) (laughs) First response was, well, you know, 80% of businesses fail their first two years. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. And I realized, I said, oh, okay. He's one of those guys I can't share my dreams with. Right. He's You were talking about, you know, your friends that did not believe in you. Yes. And they're mirroring your own doubts and fears. Mm-hmm. They're mirroring. And if we have just even one friend that believes in us, that's such a tremendous and wonderful thing. We don't need it. I've known people that have not had one person that believed in their dream. Mm. I usually had at least one person, like a girlfriend that was said, yeah, you can do it. Usually, usually I had one or two people. Mm. But it's true. Most of my friends and my own parents and family <laughs> uh, were no help at all. They, they just thought I was uh, bound to fail. Why even try? Why even start a business, Mark? You don't know a thing about business. I'd I'd never taken a course in it. I never, you know. I I knew music and acting. That was it. I did not know business. To this day, I don't understand accounting or anything. I I have a great CFO who explains things to me over and over because (laughs) I don't get it. I still don't understand accrual versus I, I do these things. I still don't uh, grasp the concept. And yet I have this multi-billion-dollar corporation.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's great. You know, you remind me of um, uh, I, I like to think a lot of biological systems because they're, mm-hmm. they're biological systems are successful in this world. And so there's a lot we can learn from them. So like, as you're describing like you don't know much about accounting, but you have somebody who does, it mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of the idea of, you know, the liver cells don't know the first thing about how to make insulin. They just leave that to the pancreas. You know? ah, but, but the whole right, system right. works, right? You know, it's like yes. the, the pancreas has got it. You know, the pancreas doesn't know how to, how to pull toxins out of the blood. That's the liver's right. job. You know yeah, Just let yeah. the liver do it, you know. <laughs> I think sometimes right. we, we forget that we're part of this big system where there are others, others in our system that can handle things to help us you know mm-hmm. you know the, the liver doesn't have to be the pancreas the pancreas doesn't have to be the liver you know yes. so there you go i'm
2: i'm very good about delegating i don't even have to show up at my company anymore it just keeps on uh, that and that was my dream that was my ideal from the beginning that it cruises along like a ship and i'm in a hammock in the back, you know, with a nice <laughs> tall. With a pineapple drink, some pineapple drink. A little umbrella coming out of
1: it.
3: A little, yes, yes, exactly.
1: Mark, are you doing something soon like classes or releasing something do you have do you have something like projects or things like that that you're working on right now that you would enjoy sharing with with the listeners
2: yes I, you're right i'm i'm always doing something um so on mark mark with a c allen.com uh i will keep people and i i do a lot on facebook mark allen author on facebook i announce all kinds of things uh, I am preparing. I just finished a teleconference. I'm doing another one, pretty soon, called "The Power of the Feminine." Ooh, mm. and it it has four sessions. Uh, I'm gonna do one just on the power of the feminine. What what we talked about, where all that creativity comes from, and everything. You can look at it that as the feminine side. Like we each have a masculine and feminine side. Uh, so I'm doing a session just alone, and then I'm bringing in Sark, the, this wonderful, brilliant woman artist, to talk about the power of the feminine in art and creativity. And then I'm bringing in Ariel Ford, oh, talking yeah. about the the feminine in relationships. I've met her. And then I'm bringing in a man, Trevor Blake, and he and I are going to talk about the power of the feminine in business and career success. So I think it's you cool have too bad talking about the power of the feminine in business. <laughs> so that's my next teleseminar. That's going to be, that's going to be fun. And when does that happen? Uh, I think we, we just postponed, we were going to start at August 1st, but you know what, it was getting a little bit too much to set up. And then, uh, Sark had some problems, and, and so we postponed it. So it'll be a few months down the road. I we're doing it in an easy and relaxed manner. I'm not even sure when, <laughs> but soon, 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 It's my well, next that's project.
1: That's great that they can. Um, so this is a teleconference. It may be something that goes on for like a few days in a row, or how's that work? It'll
2: be it'll be four us uh, four Thursday nights. Okay. Like every Thursday night for four weeks. That one. And then I might do what I did before, too, is uh, next year do a whole year on the Magical Path, where every month then we take a chapter. There's 12 chapters in the book, The Magical Path, and every month we focus on that for an entire year. I've done that twice now, and people love it, and I really enjoy it, too. So we'll do that as
1: well. Well, you know, speaking of magical path, uh, a little earlier you were talking about having a conversation with the fear. And in, in a sense, it was a, it was a transmutation of purpose. Mm-hmm. Like instead of taking it, – it's utilizing the purpose underneath um, that's driving the action rather than uh, allowing it to be as it is. It's, it's a bit like um, when we have a behavior – that is less than ideal when we ask the question um what's the underlying positive intention of that behavior we often get Mm. a different kind of view on it you know like like if Mm -hmm. if you're doing something like let's just say a a bad habit like smoking something that's unhealthy that's offensive to others etc um when you ask the question you know what is this doing for me or what is it doing for that person who's smoking You you often get different answers. You get things like, well, um, this is creating a break in my day from the stress. Or this Mm -hmm. is creating an opportunity to get away from people who are annoying me. Or this is creating (laughs) a feeling of being cool and connecting with other people who are smoking or whatever it is, social reasons. So those underlying positive intentions are not bad in and of themselves. They're actually good instincts. They're good impulses that are just being satisfied in a way that's less than healthy right so if we look at behaviors that way sometimes it can give you a different kind of a handle on how you might go about changing it because instead of fighting the whole thing you're really Mm -hmm. negotiating with whatever that underlying intention is and you're giving it a different place to to express itself and letting go of the part that's not working you know the the actual Mm -hmm. behavior sometimes you Mm -hmm. can find a a parallel behavior that's more healthy that satisfies the same intention and Mm -hmm. that reminded me a bit of what you were saying because um, we have in the old days this idea of magic you know angels and demons and gods and goddesses and and so forth and and there's this idea of casting a circle around you and and you you command the demons within the triangle and you tell them to do your bidding and so forth but if you look at the structure of of your own quote-unquote demons you know the stuff that that emotional problems and emotional stuckness and jealousy and rage and all the things that can that can be um, metaphorically attributed to to demonology um, mm-hmm. if you were to call upon the highest space inside of you the most philosophically true Alignment that you can you can bring in and then with that clarity look at your darkness look at your demons
3: mm-hmm.
1: You Might be able to give those very same dark base negative uh, Aspects of your consciousness a whole new directive In other words, your job is now to watch for danger. Your job is now mm-hmm to get me motivated to to work out more or to get organized in my home or your job is to watch out for, you know, some behavior or, or this behavior, that behavior. And instead you're giving this um, bestial energy, whatever inside of you, something noble to do mm-hmm. rather than letting it run amok Beautiful. and doing whatever the wow. hell it
3: wants.
4: Yes. That's great, Carlos. A new yeah. Model, right? Yeah. That is yeah. so neat. Wow.
3: wow it is. So
2: it's similar to a meditation I've done where you, you bring in, um, it's based on the voice dialogue work of Helen Sidra Stone uh, that Shakti Gawain got into so much in Living in the Light and all. But you basically just. Meditate, relax, you bring your conscious awareness there. And then you invite all your sub-personalities in there. You invite, so I have the inner magician I'm, who runs the show, but you can have whoever you want. It can be that that inner wise being that runs the show or whoever, whoever. But I, I imagine it. you have a big conference table and you invite all, you invite your inner child, you invite your inner vulnerable child, your inner creative yeah. child. You invite your inner parents, you invite that Mm -hmm. inner critic, inner skeptic, you invite everybody, and you have a big conference. And your inner magician, or whatever you want to call it, stands up and says, I have a dream, and I want your support in this dream. This is important. Inner critic, I don't want you undermining me. Or all these, Mm -hmm. you talk, you know, all the dark forces, all the, uh, all the, all that stuff you you give them a personality there and and you ask them to support you in your dream and specifically the inner critic the inner skeptic i've found i just had to kick out of the room cuz i haven't found <laughs> a, you know a good reason for skepticism yet maybe there is one inner critic i've turned into an ally cuz you uh, it's really easy to see in writing a book like You you start to write a book, you write a first sentence that an inner critic immediately says, that's a lousy first sentence. And that's where writer's block comes from. The inner critic is right there. You have to literally say to the inner critic, inner critic, go, take a break, get out of here, because I need to let my creative self write this. But I'm going to invite you back later, and you're going to be my editor. You know, I can, inner critics make great editors. So there's a good job for that inner critic. You invite the critic back later. He says, that's a lousy first sentence, and the whole first paragraph's bad. But here, in the middle of the second sentence, that's good. That's where you start, and your critic becomes an editor. So the same, and in, in the whole meditation is like what you were talking about, a magic thing. I just imagined sitting down with all your sub-personalities and getting them all to agree to support that dream you have. And you clearly put out that dream. I'm going to create this. I want your support, inner critic. Show me how you have discriminating wisdom, inner critic. Show me the best steps to take, but don't shoot down my dream.
4: Yeah, support. Wow. I am very inspired, Mark. I think I'm going to have a board meeting right after this, oh, okay. the Zoom interview. Yes, <laughs> yes. that's yes. great. It's, a it's good great. One.
2: It's it's a good one.
4: There's there's some
1: echoes to Napoleon Hill, you know, and his counsel, his inner counsel. That's I, I was thinking of that too. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really really cool. Um, and we, in NLP, we have a technique called um, the. Uh, it's like a parts party. You know, you're having a a party with all your parts. You know, and it's like mm. a council. You know, you 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 have that's a great. You pick. Uh, maybe six aspects, so it's not too many um, at a time, right. and have this negotiation. Um, mm. But you know, Mark, I wanted to offer something on on um, skepticism. Oh uh, yeah, it's just, a good reason for it. Yeah, just a thought. Um, skepticism good. can be um, a ward, you know, a protection against being fooled by by a trickster. And so maybe the inner skeptic is there um, working alongside with discernment and alongside that part of you, which seeks truth and sees truth and loves truth to help um, defend against the proverbial wool being pulled over your eyes. So if you were an open-minded skeptic, as we try to be on the show here, um, there might be a good use for that.
2: Hmm. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot, Carlos. I, I always had a feeling I I didn't want to kick him out totally because there there must be some useful function for him so maybe that's it yes to yeah, and maybe, guard uh, to guard against
1: being tricked and 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 that it isn't the same as his cousin um, from the other side of the family called the naysayer. <laughs> <laughs> that's different because a naysayer just needs to say nay to things and maybe Oops. the only purpose for that would be to uh uh keep you from going too quickly
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, or in, in setting up boundaries too yes you, you true. have to say no to people to establish your own boundaries so there, the naysayer can be very useful <laughs>
4: yeah yeah Yeah, that's great that's great you know um i i always feel energized after we have a wonderful conversation with somebody who just shares some some unique little angles in life that causes me to see a few things differently yeah and uh Mm -hmm. and and you've done that for me mark so um i'm feeling very appreciative of uh of you spending this time with us um, i'm walking away with all kinds of cool new strategies that i can't wait to go experiment with i want to run my own experiments now me great. too i that feel more, more encouraged after this conversation
1: than when i began a lot more mm-hmm. yeah me too yeah, me too Good. my heart is bigger
2: <laughs> that's great to hear namaste <laughs> namaste
4: ah, <laughs> namaste all right <laughs> now
2: Go so on, take it easy. All okay. right. Iron <laughs> all right,
4: Okay.
0: <laughs> You've been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Very special thanks to our guest today, Mark Allen. If you'd like to find out more about Mark Allen, you can find his website at markallen.com. That's Mark with a C, by the way. My name is Oliver Altine. I produce this show, and I also wrote the theme music, which you're listening to right now. The interstitial music this time was Sweet Surrender by Mark Allen please subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Android Market. You can also find us on social media, the Facebooks, the YouTubes, all the things. Find us wherever you want to find us. We are there. And you can find our website at authenticityshow.com. Thank you for listening and have an authentic day.